Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for a lot going on here this Sunday. God, we thank you that we'll finish the service today by taking the Lord's Supper. Thank you, God, that we are anticipating Vacation Bible School. We thank you, God, that we can recognize those who have finished their high school education. Life's busy. And yet, Father, we must not miss the point. So we pray today, God, that from your word, that very truth would, 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 would get to us. That perhaps we have been thinking about the things of God more than we have been thinking about God. Lord, I pray that today everything else would seem like it is not as important as knowing you. Help us to see that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would please turn in the Bible to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. That's page 920. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use one of those black pew Bibles there in front of you. It's page 920. We are moving right along in the Gospel of Mark. I do want to admit here this morning that I'm somewhat uncomfortable and self-conscious preaching on this crowded and stage with all these decorations. So if I seem to not be my, my normal self, it is because of that. But I am excited about that, and it, it has us excited about Vacation Bible School starting here in seven days. Today I'm going to preach a sermon in Mark chapter 2, moving right along, on fasting. And I know you came here today thinking the last thing I wanted to hear about was fasting, right? Y'all are already checking your watches about how soon lunch can get here. We have a catered lunch here today for the graduates and their families, and I can't, I can't wait to eat it. It's one of my favorite things to eat, the food that we ordered. And yet, the sermon today is on fasting, how we should go without food sometimes. But that's just the issue. We tend to think of fasting as a bad thing when all we think about fasting is fasting, is food. Folks, fasting is a God thing. Not a godly thing, a God thing. Here's what I mean. I don't mean fasting is something that godly people do. I mean fasting is something that people do who need God. Fasting is what you do when your heart is longing for more of God, and so you want to get rid of some things so that you can focus more on Him, and I hope to see that today. The way we do here at our church is we just preach straight through the Bible, and we are going through the whole Gospel of Mark now. We're in the middle of chapter 2. We started several weeks ago, and the passage comes up in chapter 2, verse 18, about fasting. It's a question about fasting. It's a dilemma. But what you have here are some people who are very, very religious. Very religious. And so their lives are, refilled, are, are, are filled with religious markers. Things that they do, if you will, simply because they're religious. And there's a lot of people in the world that are that way. They just do things because that's what religious people do. Or that's what church people are do. And there's a, there's a really great danger with that. There's a great danger with that. And the danger is that we would have our lives being spiritual or doing spiritual things or religious things and it not be it not be centered on Jesus this is the case here and I want us to be able to see and understand fasting in that context not that this is about food and you eating not that this is about your stomach or your willpower 
but that this is about God. As I said when all of these young men were up here on stage as graduates, life is about God. And we've misunderstood life if we've made it something else. I think it tends to be our habit to think that that life's about happiness or life's about me or life's about family. And so we work as hard as we can to make life happy or to make life good or to make life about family. And then if if it seems to get off the tracks, then we search for God and ask for God to help us get it back to something else. And certainly those are good desires. I, I applaud you for seeking out God to help your marriage or God to help your family or God to help your career or your finances or whatever. That, that's a good move. God's way is always the best way. But I would like to shift it just a little bit and let's, let's remind ourselves that, that life's not about those things and God helps us. Life's actually about God. Life is about God. And if life is truly about God, then that means all of life is about God. And if all of life is about God, then that means that we are to understand everything in life, everything we encounter, the highs and the lows, the goods and the bads, we are to understand all of that through the eyes of God. We must be close to God in order to understand life. And here's where fasting comes in, because fasting is us saying, hey, I'm not that close to God. I feel distant from God. I feel far from God. I want to get closer to God. And so fasting comes in, and the Bible teaches that. The scriptures include many forms of fasting. Personal and communal, public and private, congregational and national, regular and occasional, partial and absolute. Typically, we think of fasting as a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. That's what it is. Like... I haven't prayed much, I haven't thought about God much, so tomorrow, Monday, I'm going to skip lunch and the 30 minutes that I usually take to eat me a sandwich and some chips, I'm going to go somewhere else and sit by myself and seek the Lord. That's what fasting is. That's what fasting is, and that's the passage here today. Again, fasting is about God. Look with me, if you will, though, at Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Mark chapter 2, verse 18, we're going to read all the way through verse 22. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear is made. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is destroyed. And so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. At first glance, this passage seems to be not that good. <laughs> You're sitting here thinking, man, what, what, what's in there that Josh is going to talk about? But I hope that you'll see that this is actually a really, really good passage on our need for God and the purpose of fasting. I want to give you three points on fasting today that I think you'll find very, very helpful in, in, in shaping your understanding of your need for God. Number one, there is a proper time for fasting. There is a time for you to be somebody who fasts. Number two, fasting is feasting on God. Fasting is feasting on God. Fasting is feasting on God. And then number three, religious efforts like fasting are absolutely useless if not centered on Jesus. 
Religious efforts like fasting are absolutely useless if not centered on Jesus. Number one, there's a proper time for fasting. It starts off by John's disciples, which would, be, which would be a fairly good group because John the Baptist was clearly a follower of Jesus. John the Baptist came pointing people to Jesus. Nobody has ever been mistaken on what was John the Baptist's purpose. This guy was so radical, all he did was look to Jesus and point people to Jesus. To see John the Baptist is to see him doing like that, pointing to Jesus, truly. That's how he was. And yet they're talking about his disciples and then they're also talking about the Pharisees, who the Pharisees did not accept Jesus. These are the religious Jewish leaders, and they did not. Both of those groups are fasting. So here's the question. Basically, hey, all religious people fast. People who love the Old Testament, people who believe the Word of God, they fast. It's a part of it. The Bible speaks of many different types of fasts, and they did it. And so the question is, Jesus who has come here preaching to us, saying, like chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says, that the kingdom of God is here. Jesus, God himself, has come, and his people don't even fast. Imagine that. So the people who say that they're the people of God, according to the word, John's disciples, the Pharisees, those people fast because they're trying to obey God's word. But now Jesus is here telling everybody he's God, and he's got followers, and those people don't even fast. Seriously, what gives? All of that lets us know that there, there is a time to fast. The discussion is about it. I remember being in high school. I believe that I was a sophomore, and there was a young girl in our church. I had just gotten involved in church really heavily when I was 16 years old. And there was a young girl in our church who had brain cancer. And it was a really, really bad situation. And I remember our pastor in our, in our church asking the whole church to fast. And I remember going to school that day and, uh, of that week and not sitting in the cafeteria like I normally did with my friends. But I remember going, and I guess I was out walking around or maybe I gathered in a room somewhere. But I remember skipping lunch as a high school student so that I could sit and pray for this young girl. I remember not eating so that I could pray for this girl more. Now, I'm like most of you. I do desire to pray, and I desire to pray for you all, and, and, and all of you are asking me to pray for things. And it's, and it's well intended that I'm not able to pray as often or as good as I would like to many a times. I wish I had prayed more. I don't want to lie to you all. I do pray. But you can see, even in that example, that there's a time for fasting. If I knew that you were having a big surgery this week on Wednesday, and you asked me to really pray for you, could you really pray for me, Josh, because i got a big surgery going on Wednesday, and I'm scared about it. Wouldn't you like it if you knew that instead of me sitting downstairs eating a sandwich and chips, I skipped over that and sat alone and really dialed in, or maybe came here. One of the things I like to do if nobody's around is I'll come here into the sanctuary when nobody's here and just get right here on the front, front pew and I can kneel down and pray. Wouldn't you like it if you knew that, 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 that this week I, I stayed here and, and sought the Lord praying for you? Yes, you would. So I want you to see there's a time for fasting. There's a time for digging in and saying, I, I want to be devoted to this, this cause. Focus on God. Seek the Lord in prayer. And that's what we have here. But the question is, Jesus, why don't your people fast Jesus answers them by talking about a wedding and a, and a bridegroom and fasting and when do you fast and if you'll jump down to verse 20 it says the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in that day Jesus is now introduced 
a subject that you ought not to miss. The Bible describes God as the husband of his people. In the Old Testament, God is the husband of Israel. He is wedded to them. The commitment there is one that will not be broken. In the New Testament, the Bible says that Christ is the, is the, is the groom to his bride, which is the church. That analogy is huge to us. We are to understand marriage, and the only way to understand marriage is through the picture of Jesus' loving, sacrificial commitment to us. Husbands are to love their wives committed the way Jesus loves us. Wives are to love their husbands committed the way the church loves Jesus back. That's the, that's the model. This is a strong analogy, and Jesus uses this, but he uses it as the picture of, of a wedding. Okay? Commentator Edwards says that it is with reference to sustaining the life of faith and growth into Christ's likeness that fasting has continued on throughout the ages. Listen to this. The discipline of physical privation in fasting, listen, was an aid to watchfulness, contrition, strength, and sensitivity in the Christian life. If you as a believer in Jesus aren't very watchful, you're not very contrite, you're not very strong, you're not very sensitive to the things of God or the people around you, then perhaps you need to fast. He says that fasting is a way that you heighten these things, that you aid these things in your life. Don Whitney, who lives right here in Louisville, Kentucky, who has written the very popular book, Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life, says, fasting can be an expression of finding your greatest pleasure and enjoyment in life from God. And we often don't like it, which is a sign not to absolutely insult us, but perhaps our belly has become our God. I have often heard people say, I can't fast. I just can't do it. I can't go a lunch hour without my Diet Coke. I can't go a half a day without a sandwich or without dinner. I'd be too weak. As I taught in the Bible study this week, midweek, that's the whole point. The point is to be weak. The, whole, the, the, the point is to sacrifice and to remove yourself from something, starve yourself from something, if you will, so that you would have to depend on God. And Jesus is letting them know that there is, a, there is a proper time for fasting. In this passage, he is pointing out that when Jesus is not around, that is the time to fast. When you are waiting for the kingdom of God to, to be finalized, when you're waiting for heaven, that would be the time to fast. But right here in this passage, God is here with them, so that is not a time to fast. That's where he uses the wedding analogy. And if you've ever been to a wedding... It makes sense. At a wedding is not a time for you to be talking about sacrificing something. A wedding is the very time where you are to live it up, if you will. I've been to many a weddings where uh, we're ready for the wedding to be over with, and we can't wait to get to the reception, and everybody's hungry. But sometimes the bride and groom decide to take even more pictures, if you will, imagine that, after the wedding. And so after the wedding, they're taking pictures. And so the, the people don't know if they should wait to eat or what should they do. And many times they do end up waiting to eat. They don't want to start the party without the main people. And so they're standing there in the reception area and they're waiting and waiting and they're hungry and hungry. And all the food is spread out and everybody's waiting and all of that. And they can't do it until they get there. But nobody, nobody, I've never heard somebody say, well, let's just not eat. Today would be a good day not to eat. Let's just starve ourselves. Let's fast. You know, we really need to focus on God anyway. If anybody ever did suggest that, everybody would be like, now's not the time. Do it tomorrow. 
Weddings are time where you celebrate. Live it up. Let's go. Have fun. I'm going to get another plate. I'm going to get another drink. Let's have a good time. This is how weddings are. This is Jesus' point. But his point is not that this is a party. His point is that God is here. And we are, we are to understand that our relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in life. He is like our groom and we are like his bride. And if he's here, what in the point is fasting? John's disciples and the Pharisees are missing the point. They've got Jesus there. You'd think they'd want to be around him 24-7. You'd think they'd be hanging out with him or learning from him or sitting at his feet or listening to him or learning and growing or whatever, worshiping him. Instead, they're still worried about all their rules. Oh, the pettiness of religious people at times which all of us know. Everybody's heard before about people talking about you have to wear a shirt and tie or a coat to go to church. Baloney. Whoever said something like that? Whoever said something like that? You ought to look nice. You ought not look like a fool or a hoochie mama or anything like that. But you need to, you need to present yourself well. But whoever said that there are rules like that? Y'all, God has given us a lot of rules. The world doesn't need one more. Not one more. Live faithfully to God, realizing that God is our treasure. We don't want people to be distracted by rules that we might come up with. We don't want people to be distracted by religious life. We don't want people to see, well, here's some things we do, or here's some things we do, or here's some things we do. We want people to understand God through us. That's the whole point of all of it. That's the whole point. And so God is there with them. And you've got these groups of people over here fasting, starving themselves, if you will, trying to seek God, and Jesus is like, God is here. There's a time for fasting. It reminds me of a story that I heard once. This is a true story. I heard of a man, he was an older man, who went on a first date with a lady, and on their very first date, he asked the lady, could they split a meal, because he didn't want to spend too much. It's a true story. He asked the lady if they could split a meal, because he didn't want to spend too much. I ended up hearing about that, and I thought to myself, wow, well, I appreciate anybody being frugal, but that's not the time to save. That's not. On a first date, you should say, can I get you an appetizer? Can I get you a dessert? You want to go get some coffee afterwards? I mean, what can I do? Yesterday, you should have been saving, right? The week before, you should have been saving. Your whole life, you should have been saving. On a first date, it's not the time to save. You're missing the point. And Jesus wants us to understand this with fasting. There will be a time for fasting. When God is not around, that is our time for fasting. Folks, listen, that means right now for us. Our hearts long for God, and we often don't don't have him close enough, whether we're keeping our eyes on Jesus. But in their passage here, Jesus is there. If you look back to chapter 1, verse 15... Jesus came saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. If there was ever a time where Jesus was here making things clear, making things obvious, helping people see God, it was then. He was there. And so that was not the time for fasting, but there is a proper time for fasting. Secondly, fasting as I introduced the sermon with, is feasting on God. If fasting to you is more about the food and lack thereof and the suffering, then you don't understand fasting. You should stop doing it. But if fasting for you is diving in and and getting God, then, then that is a good thing. Notice here, 
Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Do you see that? If, if God is with you, what are you fasting for? <laughs> Actually, why are you doing it? What are you trying to accomplish? He's asking them. Actually, what, what, what is that fasting? Because I'm right here. If you're fasting longing for me, then you're, you've got your eyes on something else. But notice that he says, verse 20, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Listen, folks, Jesus came, but then he died, and he was buried, and he rose again, and he lived, and he's alive, but then he ascended. He's gone. Y'all, you're not going to see him walking around Fairdale today. You're not going to see him on earth anywhere today. Jesus is not here. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of God. We long for him now. We can't wait to see him. We are looking for heaven, and it's close. It's really close either through your passing away or through him coming back, but it's close, y'all. Soon and very soon, we are going to meet the king. Soon and very soon, we will meet him face to face. Soon and very soon, we will stand before God in judgment. It's coming, and the goal is that we would get there. The goal is that we would know him, and Jesus lets us know that if he's gone, that's the time to fast. We are to make sure that we get our lives centered upon God. And if you're so busy and life's full and you've got a lot of ups and downs and you're going through a lot of hardships or whatever, then now is the time for you to dig deep and not lose sight of God. I realize that the ball game's come and the, the family's got so much going on. I realize that work is demanding and all of that. But we cannot allow ourselves to lose sight that life is about God. And if it takes fasting, it takes fasting. But when we fast, it is because we are feasting on God. It is because he is what we want. I remember my freshman year of college, I was at some college ministry worship type thing, and I heard a song I'd never heard before, and to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard the song pass there. And the song said, I need you more than food to eat. I need you more than water to drink. I need you more than the air to breathe. I need you more. I need you more. This is the idea behind fasting. Absolutely. Absolutely, you've got to eat. I hope you do eat. I like to eat three meals a day, sometimes four meals a day. Val loves to, late at night during a ball game, to just bake cookies and put icing on the cookies and all that. And I, I love to eat them. I love chips and dip. I can eat chips and dip all the time. I like to eat, but I've got to make sure. I've got to make sure that I don't get dependent upon just me and food i got to make sure that I understand what Jesus says. Man doesn't live by bread alone. And if the only thing sustaining you in life is your food, you're not being sustained. You need God. And there's coming a day for every single one of you when you won't be able to eat. And the only sustenance at that time will be God. So we need to know that now, and we need to live like that now. One commentator introducing that Jesus takes this question of fasting toward a wedding illustration analogy, if you will, says, the guests of the, bride, the, guests of the bridegroom pictures the gathering of the wedding party, waiting impatiently to eat. Any thought of fasting at such a moment is out of the question. He goes on to say, if the disciples of John and the Pharisees grasp the significance of his person, they will understand why they should be celebrating rather than fasting. It's a crazy question right here that they're coming to Jesus and saying, why aren't they fasting? 
Because the point of fasting is feasting upon God. If God is there, then you should be feasting upon God. Forget about fasting. We'll start fasting once he's gone. John Piper says, Fasting is the physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence, quote, This much, O God, I want you. Can you imagine feeling your body get weak, feeling your stomach growling and hurting, yet understanding that you've got a desire for God, a feasting upon him, and so you pray out, God, this much, this is how much, God, I want you. Be near to me, O God. And so we fast because fasting is feasting on God. But then thirdly, fasting, simply as a work or simply as a religious effort or simply as you thinking it's something that you should do and not centered upon Jesus is absolutely useless. And Jesus makes this clear. In verse 20, he says that there will come a time to fast when he's not gone. And then he gives two different analogies. Jesus does this. He's a good speaker, good teacher. And 21 is an analogy and 22 is an analogy. So let's look at them. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. So he talks there about sewing, if you will, about clothing. He says if your clothes are worn out and you've got a hole in it, you don't, you don't take a, a, a new piece and put it on there. It's just not going to work. It's going to shrink up and it's not going to work. You have a bigger issue. You're trying to solve it by it not going right. Here's what he's meaning. That fasting is something that you do in a religious effort, an effort to focus on God. That's what he's saying. But if God is there and you're trying to fast, then you're missing the you're missing the point. In other words, he is telling them, you are not aware that the point of religious efforts is to focus on God. You're not getting that. Listen, folks, it is very, very real. I mean, very real that people think the point of life is to be a good person. And so they will do religious works, good things, go to church or feed the poor to make themselves see themselves as a good person. And if you think that life is about being a good person, that you don't understand that life's about God. And this is how we can miss the point on fasting. You have got to be warned here today that your life not become one in which you are simply doing things so that you think of yourself as a better person. That's not the point. In judgment before God, it's not going to matter whether you are a good person or a bad person. It's going to be, have you ever sinned? Yes, I have. Okay, how are you going to be forgiven? That's what judgment will be based off of. Judgment will be avoided by forgiveness. Judgment will not be avoided by a pile of good works. Judgment from God will be avoided by forgiveness. It will not be avoided by a stack of good works. If you see fasting as a good work that you do, then you don't understand your need for God. If you see fasting as trying to feast on God, then perhaps you do understand God. Jesus is teaching them that once Jesus is here and he's come and he's understood and you know that God came so that he could die for you, that Jesus came to us so that he would die on the cross for our sins and he died on the cross for our sins, not to show us what humility and sacrifice is, but literally to take the punishment of God for us. 
If anybody would trust in Christ and be forgiven of their sins, then they would be right with God. They would be at peace with God. This is how we understand that life is about God through Jesus. To be trying to do religious things without understanding that, without understanding that has literally no point. No point. It's a waste of time. Then he goes to another illustration, verse 22. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. We get that too. If the, the wineskin is all, all worn out, and you put a nice, strong new wine in it, it's going to break it. In other words, don't put new wine into an old wineskin. In other words, don't try to follow all this religious fasting type of stuff to get closer to God if God is right there. In other words, let's take it one step further. Don't try to live in such a way that you're convincing yourself how good you are when God has already told us that no one is good except God. But yet God in his goodness sent Jesus to die for you. Stop trying to live in such a way that you're trying to convince yourself that you're okay because of how good of a person you are. Instead, see Jesus for who he is as the one who came to save us from our sins. J.C. Ryle says that in a word, these people who are fasting while Jesus is there are trying to enjoy the new wine and yet cling to the old bottles. They will find one day that they have attempted that which cannot be done. Don't you know what God says in the scriptures? That no one can serve two masters. Y'all, life is about God. And the only way that we get God is through Jesus. Jesus has changed everything. There is no desiring to be a good person for goodness sake. It will get us nowhere. There is a desiring to be a good person for the glory of God. To model Jesus. But Jesus has come here with this fasting conversation and has pointed out that life's about God. Now, what's fascinating about this is that this is a simple setting of Jesus is there and everybody's looking around like, hey, this is something that religious people do. They fast. And so they see that this group over here fasts, and they're, they're, like, they're close to Jesus. They're John the Baptist people. And they see these people over here, the Pharisees, they, they fast, and they're not close to Jesus. They're like, yeah, everybody fasts. Everybody that at least thinks about God fasts. But Jesus' people don't. And, and, and that puzzle right there lets you know they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And every time I hear about churches, and especially older churches, who are caught up in things that they shouldn't be caught up with, it reminds me of stuff like this. Y'all, the point is God. God is the point. You know, we've got one effort in the lives of everybody we know. There's a reason why we're thrilled to have these guys come up graduating high school. I'm glad to know them. And I'm glad to play ball with them or talk, talk with them or, or do whatever with them. But the point is that they would know God. And they know that. That's the point. 
I mean, I think about being a parent, and God's given me some kids now, and I'm thankful for that. And the, the point of that is not that we would make all these great memories. I, I love doing that. The point is that we would, we would know God. Everything else is not going to make sense. You can't put religious life into, into real life and hope it means anything if Jesus isn't there. Jesus' coming has helped us see that religious efforts are useless. Church, I... I'm the pastor of the church. I'm the leader. But I want you to know that, that doing things like somebody getting baptized or somebody taking the Lord's Supper or, God forbid, somebody giving money to the church means nothing to me if you're not rooted in Jesus. And I'm the leader of our church. I don't care what you look like or how you dress or if you read the Bible or if you carry it or if you teach Sunday school or if you want to volunteer at vacation Bible school. It doesn't mean nothing. I'm not impressed. We're not impressed. I want to see that you love God and that Jesus has changed your life. I'm not impressed that those guys got baptized in high school. I'm not impressed at all. They know whether they're following Jesus or not, and, and, and I'm trying to figure it out. And they know that that's all I care about. That's all we care about, Jesus. Nobody cares if you got baptized in high school. I could find you right now in Fairdale, 5,000 people that were baptized years ago, and right now they have no interest in Jesus, 5,000. we got about 8,000 people in Fairdale. It would be so easy to find 5,000 baptized people who do not live for Jesus. And it's not worth anything. Nothing. Now, I'm not saying they're going to hell. I'm saying they need to get focused on Jesus. That's the point. And Jesus comes here in this conversation about fasting and says, hey, don't miss it. Why would we applaud anybody who fasts but's not delighting in God? Why would we applaud anybody or rejoice at anything that's not focused on Jesus? Although they think they're doing good religious things. The church ought to be first and foremost those who don't get it twisted, who don't make mistakes with that. We understand. Here's what I mean. We don't get worked up over little things. We don't. You're not going to find us saying, well, you know, tattoos are wrong, or, or this is wrong, or smoking cigarettes are wrong, or dancing's wrong, or people getting hung up on these type of things. We will talk about what the Bible talks about, and we're not going to make an issue, a big issue, out of things that ought not to be made an issue out of. We want to see, is your heart trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of sins? Do you love God? Do you understand God? Do you know that life is about Him? Because there's coming a day, and it seems quite obvious, where you'll know that that's all that matters. I did three funerals in the last week. And when I sit down with a family to do a funeral, we have to meet before and talk through it and make some plans. And there's always that big, heavy crossroads where I say, well, tell, tell me a little bit about them. And they do. And if they've not mentioned anything about God, I have to say, all right, well, great, you know, this, is, this, this is wonderful, we're going to have a good service today, but let me ask you, were, did they, were they ever religious, or did they ever know God, or believe in God, or anything like that? And I'm almost hesitant to ask that question, because I hate hearing the answer most of the time. 
No, not, not really. But I, I tell you, though, he, he was such a great guy. And I said, okay, all right, I got you. All right, well, let's, let's go do it. We'll have good service here. Folks, please, please, don't let that be you. Hear the words of God. What, what, what are we doing? We can't miss it like that. We can't. Live your life in such a way that we meet to do your funeral and your children say, my dad loved, man, my dad loved God. He, he, wasn't, the, he wasn't the best dad at times, man. He struggled. There were times where he struggled to love mom. There were times where he wasn't the best to us. Y'all, nobody's perfect. Nobody, nobody's going to be upset about that. But I know this, he loved God. He loved God. Y'all, that's what we want to hear. That's the only thing that matters when all is said and done. But we can't get it right when all is said and done. We get it right right now. There'll be a time for fasting. Fasting is feasting on God. But to fast or do anything else without a focus on Jesus is a waste of time. Let's pray together. Father, God, help us to understand this. God, help us to be a people who long for you, desperately long for you. God, help us to be a people who say, I need God more than I need anything else. God, help us to be a church that helps men and women grow in this. God, we pray that we pray that our lives would look like Jesus is the main thing, that we would not be caught up in things without being focused on Jesus. Help us with this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we have our last song and our time of responding, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask those that are going to serve the Lord's Supper to come forward. The Lord's Supper is a special part of the life of the church. You heard me talk about Jesus died on the cross for our sins. and Jesus himself teaches us that we ought to regularly do this in remembrance of him. Eat, eat some bread that represents his body and drink some drink that represents his blood. There is no way to be right with God apart from the, the blood of Christ. And so with that said, I, I'll introduce it like this. That it, if, if you're not a believer in Jesus, then we just ask you kindly to not, to not take it. Again, that, that's my third point. To take the Lord's Supper without trusting in Christ would be useless. You don't need to. If you don't think Jesus is your Lord and Savior and your only hope of God, then, then you don't need to take it. Just These guys won't make a big deal out of it. You just keep your head bowed or kindly say no thanks and they'll move right on. We're used to that. We're not, we're not thinking everybody here follows Jesus. We want you to take it. But there's no sense to take it wrongly. We also want to say that if you've never been baptized, then we would ask you to not take it because we see baptism as a prerequisite to that. You, take, you, you get baptized and you're ready to follow Jesus and then you start taking the Lord's Supper. So if, you, if you're not baptized, then we'd ask you to wait and you can let us know. We'll get you baptized here really soon. The point is we don't, we don't ever want to make a mockery or make light of Jesus being crucified on the cross. But if you're here today and you do trust in Christ, we ask you to bow your head and Confess your sins and get your heart right.
Nobody's going to make a big deal out of this. It is special, though, to show that the church is made up of people focused on Jesus. And that's what we want to be. So as we get set to serve it, would you bow your heads and get your hearts right?